And we welcome you to the Wednesday morning show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. It is always a pleasure to uh, welcome back to the program for his monthly visit, uh, Dr. Brian Albrecht, the president of Gateway Technical College. And um, we're going to be having for most of the hour today a very, very important conversation related to uh, COVID-19. And, uh, and in particular, we're going to be finding out about how Racine County and the Racine Unified School District are seeking to contend with all of the serious complications and challenges posed uh, by the pandemic. And so a little bit later on, we're honored to have with us uh, Jonathan Delagrave, the Racine County Executive, and Dr. Eric Gallian, who is superintendent of the Racine Unified School District. We'll welcome them in just a moment. First, President Albrecht, we welcome you back to the program. I know that uh, one of the things you want to tell our listeners about is uh, a really interesting and uh, even moving drive-through graduation uh, exercise that you were part of. Tell our listeners about that. Well, thank you, Greg. It's always a pleasure to be a part of your program, and I just want to thank you and the entire team at WGTD. Um, just some exceptional recognition over this last year, five national awards for programming, two Wisconsin Broadcasters Awards, so you all deserve a great round of applause and our appreciation as a community for continuing to be a great gateway to public radio. So thank you for that. And I'm just waiting for our, our morning show uh, hosting President Albrecht to win one of those awards. No kidding. But, <laughs> but if we don't, always know that we have our own fab lab and we can print our own up if we need to, <laughs> Greg. Okay, but thanks, thanks for your leadership. But uh, so yeah, the drive-through graduation parades, you know, when we, when we switched to a virtual graduation commencement ceremony because of the pandemic, we wanted to find a way to continue to acknowledge and recognize the students that have completed their certificates, diplomas, and degrees here at Gateway. And uh, I think I reminded our community uh, in an op-ed letter that we had over 1,500 associate degree um, graduates this year, which is one of the largest graduating classes that we've had in, in many years here at Gateway. And if you add the diploma and certificate programs, it's over 3,000 graduates. Wow. So that is pretty comprehensive uh, when you think about the size and scope that Gateway's providing as far as developing a workforce and the technical skills. So to help celebrate that, of course, we did some really great things with the, you know diplomas and certificates in the virtual ceremony, guest speakers and, and so on. But that wasn't enough. So our Student Government Association planned these drive-through parades that you've probably have seen on television or in, in the media, social media especially, uh, that are happening at high schools as well. And uh, we picked the two hottest days of the year. So it was over 90 degrees and, you know, we gave cookies away and the frosting all melted, but it all turned out, it turned out great. And I was really proud to be a part of it. And the good news for me is I didn't have to wear my, uh, my robe, you know, those can get pretty heavy and hot. So I was able to be a little bit cooler, but it was really nice to see the smiles on the faces of our graduates and to thank them one more time and, and just to help celebrate this uh, great milestone in their life. And what was so inspiring for me is it wasn't just the graduate. I mean, they brought a car load of family members and, you know, we had a place where they could get out of the car and take their picture. And it was really, I think, something that will be a good positive memory for many grads that participated. We have one event left over on the Elkhorn campus. So we did this Kenosha campus, the Racine area. And now we're going to next week be over in Elkhorn to finish it up. But uh, it's, uh, it's always great to be able to recognize graduates. And it was a fun way to do it this year to be outside. Well, trying to find fun in a not-so-fun situation, that makes a lot of sense. So, very good. Uh, speaking of fun, it's always fun when you can welcome uh, donations and grants that make a, 
a positive difference in the financial picture for Gateway. And I know you have a couple of uh, different gifts to Gateway that you uh, want to tell us about. I do. Thank you, Greg. Well, last month, actually, I think we celebrated an amazing contribution over half a million dollars from the SC Johnson Fund um, to help support the HOPE program. These are fully funded scholarships to pay for tuition fees, books, some funding to help transition adults back into the workforce as a result of COVID-19 and some of the challenges of dislocated workers. And I'll just report out on that, that all of the sections that we've opened up so far are full. So we'll be able to really, really take advantage of that contribution by, by SC Johnson. Uh, we followed that up this month with another gift from Fisk Johnson himself. So I wanted to publicly thank Fisk for not only the corporate support, but also his personal support. This is a $400,000 gift to uh, help develop a new academy in advanced manufacturing for high school students. So we're helping to build that talent pipeline in advanced manufacturing, industry 4.0, robotics, automation, all the things that we've talked about when we established the IMET Center. Now we've got a financial base for the academic um, training that goes along with it. So we are really excited. I know our school districts are excited. I know Racine Unified already has several students that have enrolled in that particular program. They're gonna receive credits. Many of those students will get a college degree at the same time or maybe even before they graduate from high school as a result of this financial gift and the support that uh, Fisk has continued to show our community in challenging times. So that was great. And then we were real fortunate also to receive uh, a large gift from the Lumina Foundation. Uh, this is over $400,000 to help support the um, implementation of in embedded industry skill credentials. So um, we have a great partnership with a lot of industries that allow us to uh, offer their industry credential. So it might be a snap-on certification in multimeter, uh, might be a manufacturing certificate uh, by Greenlee. And those certificates have really built a base to align academic programs with industry occupational skill certifications. And we've talked about that a little bit on the program. That's the key for a technical degree, right? Not only that you have good skills, but it's also measured in industry in some way. So this is going to give us a chance to help demonstrate and put the data elements that are gonna um, be collected around the country and Gate will be the hub for that to really continue to elevate the idea of portable stackable credentials aligned with industry to help people um, find their place in the job market uh, in a more robust way. So those two gifts are really helping to transform the way we think about workforce preparation and uh, we'll continue to work on that industry alignment and those partnerships. And I might just add one other uh, announcement that I'll share with our, our audience today um, last week, we finalized our agreement with Rockwell Automation, and Gateway will be offering the AAM program. That's an industry credential from Rockwell geared toward veterans. So there's only one other place that this is offered, and that's at Rockwell headquarters in Milwaukee. We're the first two-year technical college in the country to begin partnering with Rockwell to offer this certification. So veterans, we're taking applications now for that. It gives you a degree from Gateway as well as a certification directly from Rockwell and a supply chain of job networks uh, that they already are working with. So great announcements around financial support for individuals to re-engage in workforce training. Fantastic. I know before we get to our guests today, you want to tell our listeners about uh, a new vice president at Gateway who has just come aboard. I do. Actually, I'm going to make two announcements. And one is I want to thank Bill White. Bill has been a vice president uh, for us for over 15 years, and he's retiring at the end of this month. I know he listens to the program. So, Bill, from, uh, from me, from our college, and I'll say from the entire Gateway community, 
thanks for all that you've done for for us and to help uh, to help us celebrate the work that you're doing. We want to acknowledge your leadership in our community over many, many years. So congratulations to your retirement. And I also want to recognize and announce uh, Dr. Tammy Summers as our new Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Uh, no more important time than right now to begin to raise that conversation around the importance of inclusiveness and making sure that Gateway is doing everything we can to support all of our students, all of our staff, and the, and the broader community of Southeast Wisconsin. Dr. Summers has a wealth of experience uh, in this arena, served as a, a director here at the College for Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, leads our strategic planning effort in that area, and uh, now has been tapped on the shoulder a few times to help a statewide committee uh, begin to think about the college's role in, in making sure that we are being responsive to some of the challenges that our communities are facing. I'm excited for Tammy. She's going to do a terrific job, and I know that uh, our community will benefit from her leadership. Very good. Uh, so, President Albrecht, uh, tell our listeners uh, about the uh, invitation that uh, you extended to our two very special guests today and how grateful uh, you are, as I am, that they both accepted the invitation. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, it was a Zoom meeting similar to what we're having this radio show on. I was busy with Jonathan about some initiatives and how we can strengthen the educational experience for our youth um, through connected systems, whether it's uh, sort of a a Wi-Fi system or alignment of programs like we've just talked about with some of these grants, but what can we do to strengthen our educational system so that we can better prepare the workforce and really then begin to build a systemic strategy for Racine County. And uh, Jonathan's leading an initiative to help us expand some of our, our um, Wi-Fi networks in the area. And I thought that would be a good topic. And I said, would you be willing to share that with our community? So that's why Jonathan is here. He's been a great friend for Gateway and a great uh, visionary for our county. And the core to that is really making sure that families are engaged in this conversation. And Dr. Gallion has been holding community forums and listening sessions to hear from families on what some of the challenges are. And we know that, especially right now, there's a lot of discussion around what will school look like when we come back. And we all know that it's going to look different and it's going to feel different and we need to respond as a community differently in order to create points of access for youth, but also for their families so that we can continue to support the great educational learning um, platforms that we've had and received for so, for so many years. So we've got the superintendent and the county executive with us today to help us all better understand what we can do to help uh, support these, these initiatives. Fantastic. So again, we're really delighted and honored that uh, joining us today, Dr. Eric Gallian, who is superintendent for the Racine Unified School District, and Jonathan Delagrave, who is Racine County Executive Gentleman. Thank you to both of you for being part of the morning show today. Thank you. Good to have you here. Uh, Dr. Gallian, uh, of course, we're going to spend most of our time digging into uh, the pandemic, COVID-19, and all of those specific challenges. But I suspect there are at least a few other things that uh, we can talk about in terms of Racine Unified and uh, some of what uh, you and your colleagues managed to accomplish over the past year uh, pre-COVID-19. So tell us what you'd like to brag about. So our biggest accomplishment has uh, been our the graduating class of the academies of Racine. And I am really proud that we have been able to launch our fourth year and have a graduating class of the academies that we've seen. We've seen a lot of academic growth there. We've seen a lot of um, opportunities 
where students could be involved in the um, the various um, youth apprenticeships. We've we've seen a big growth in apprenticeships, and so one of the the, the big accomplishments of the academies has been we've 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 almost broke the barrier of about two hundred youth apprentices. Wow. And so that's been a big accomplishment. Our biggest goal is um, to do 300. And, you know, now the, the COVID situation may set us back a little bit, but I'm, 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 I'm optimistic that we can continue to grow. And so just getting our kids those, those opportunities is just amazing. You know, yeah, Eric, I, I, I am always impressed when I hear the results of the academies of Racine, the model. It was a big change for the school district. And now we're seeing that community engagement at a much higher level. I know at Gateway, we partner in helping develop the dual credit programs. But one thing that really sticks out in my mind is the work we're doing with the real school in which those students actually are on the campus of the IMET Center. And I think that awareness for youth about what opportunities are available, whether it's through a youth apprenticeship program, co-op program, the See Your Future initiative, all of those exposure experiences help to clarify in, in young minds about what the Racine offers and what the job market might be. Exactly. And Brian, I can tell you, we couldn't go back to the traditional model. We, we, we're, um, you know, people fought to the nail um, for us to change this, and, and we did this about four years ago. And once we got it off the ground, we're now, that's the only thing the kids know. And that's the type of experience that we want kids to get. And so I'm really proud that we have been able to graduate our first class from that this past year. That's terrific. Dr. Gallian, um, it's hard to even imagine uh, what you and your colleagues faced in terms of challenges in finishing up this previous school year as COVID-19 uh, descended. Just give us some sense of the dimensions of, of those challenges and, and uh, what that's meant in terms of helping prepare you and everybody with Racine Unified for uh, what's going to be coming with the uh, the start of a new school year this fall? Quite honestly, it, it, it definitely exposed our weaknesses. And we, we definitely had some challenges, um, whether it be um, the gaps that we had in technology for students, the training that we had available for, for our staff, in terms of just getting them ready for remote learning. But it also gave us an opportunity. It gave us an opportunity to prepare for what the new, you know, teaching and learning will look like. Because quite honestly, teaching and learning will not be the same in the fall. And so, this just gave us an opportunity to prepare for that. And so that's what we're working on right now. And I know when, when we started going through that transition as well, Dr. Gallion, it was like 
we thought we had enough time, right? Because this was back in April. We figured, well, our plan is really in August. So, but you know what? It's already middle of July and we're getting ready for that next phase coming back. So I imagine um, it was kind of a short runway for a lot of your staff. And I just want to acknowledge uh, your team because they continue to be engaged in the community conversations and they're really helping to expose some additional opportunities that might be out there for Gateway to partner with Racine Unified or for Racine Unified to help extend greater services to their families. Yeah, we have about, about 400 people working on this plan. Yeah, and it takes that many, doesn't it? There's yeah. a lot of elements to it. <laughs> exactly. Terrific. Well, speaking of lots of elements, there's lots of elements to what uh, Jonathan Delagrave has been contending with, too, as Racine County Executive. And, of course, uh, Mr. Delagrave, one of the, the steepest challenges you, you face is that uh, so much of what you and your colleagues deal with touches on every facet of this community. And uh, each one of them experiencing COVID-19 in its own particular way and everybody with their own particular opinion on on how this should be done. Give us some sense of how you and your staff have navigated through these really challenging waters, especially when it comes to trying to serve all of these different constituencies. Yeah, thanks, Greg. You know, first and foremost, like Gateway and like uh, our largest school district here in Racine County, Racine Unified School District, you know, we're a unique service. Most of the services that we provide probably 90% of them are those who are individuals or families who are in need. So that could be mental health, child protective uh, services, our mental health, um, our sheriff's office, uh, employment. So, uh, you know, that that's a kind of a baseline on, you know, who we serve. And really it's about trying to uh, listen to all sides of every issue, right? And And then, putting yourself in the shoes of those who are in the particular situation. So obviously, if you look at somebody who's in need of mental health or who's in need of employment, uh, you know, they're, they're, you wanna see, and you wanna know about the hurdles that they face. Um, and sometimes they're as dire as, you know, just, you know, putting food on the table for their families or, or trying to put their children in the best environment possible. So, and then also it's really collaborating with partners like Gateway and, and Dr. Albrecht and uh, Unified and, and Dr. Gallion. The more partners you can get on board, um, the more confidence, the more um, momentum you can gain to, to really tackle um, heavy lifts or bigger issues. So. That's kind of how we do it. Every county executive is different, but I look at my role as, you know, one of my roles is bringing people together, trying to um, bring in partnerships and, and solve things together. Yeah, Jonathan, you raise a really good point that every county executive, every county, every municipality, they all respond differently. I'm always intrigued with the fact that we, you have to take advice from so many different levels, right? You've got your health uh, experts, you've got the state officials, and there's so many dynamics to all of that. Um, so how do you filter all of that? I mean, what, how do you create a decision point when you've got, you know, Madison is giving you directions, the federal office is giving you directions, and I know that 
you know, the city health department is giving direction and you have to kind of sort it out because whatever you say is, is what people tend to want to follow, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, first and foremost, um, I'm lucky to have a lot of people who are smarter than me uh, working at Racine County. So first and foremost, but, but second of all, you know, you, you try to, you try to rely on your experts. You try to rely on then taking that, taking that advice and information and then putting that what is best for Racine County, what is best for Gateway, what is best for the school district, and then making the best decision you can with the information you have. But, you know, again, I facetiously said that I have a lot of smart people around me, but I really do, and, and getting their input is, is really critical. I'm curious, too, speaking of input, how much communication you have with your counterparts in other counties or is there just not enough time for that, especially at this point in time where there are so many important decisions that have to be made so so quickly? Is there time for you to be reaching out to other county executives to kind of compare practices and so on? Absolutely. Um, I'm lucky enough to sit on the executive board of the Wisconsin Counties Association. It's a, it's a 21 board member made up of uh, a number of leaders throughout the state of Wisconsin involved in county government. So we're able to share a lot of best practices there. And then just from a, a Kenosha um, perspective, um, you know, I look at County Executive Cruiser in Kenosha County as kind of a mentor. He's been in his position uh, a lot longer than I am, and he's a lot older than me, by the way, too. <laughs> but he's, he's really also given me a lot of guidance as well, and so I appreciate that. So, yeah, there's definitely time, and, you know, we don't have all the answers in Racine County, and you know, we're not, um, you know, we're not, we have no problem stealing other people's ideas and, and plans and making them our own for sure. Yeah, it's really a good point. Um, so I'm going to send uh, Jim Cruiser the link to this program, uh, Jonathan, <laughs> for you saying that. But uh, I just want to acknowledge the fact that sometimes um, uh, audiences, community members, they hear perspectives because there might be a story out of Milwaukee or a story out of Waukesha. And so the assumption is that, well, how come we're not doing that? And so you make a really good point that you've got to really rely on local expertise in order to make those decisions because everything has um, a ripple effect, right? So you're weighing out lots of different scenarios. Pandemic is one thing, right? We're also working on making sure that when a storm comes through that we have protection there and we've got all kinds of different um, initiatives that are taking place at the same time and you have to balance all of those uh, all those decision points exactly and as much as we like to 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 have that communication with other counties you know Racine County has a lot of uniqueness to it that Kenosha County is, is different and so it is really trying to capture you know what is um, you know what is in the best interest of Racine County and, and a lot of times that is I'm going to be different than what is in the best interest of Kenosha County. So it's kind of weighing, weighing that out. But, you know, ultimately, I just go back to building partnerships and building collaboration, getting this to, you know, we're all in this together. And if we're all in this together, you know, I believe that 100% of the time, the right decision is made. Hmm. For those of you just joining us, today is the monthly visit of Brian Albrecht, the president of Gateway Technical College, and with him on the morning show today, uh, Jonathan Delagrave, Racine County Executive, and Dr. Eric Gallian, Superintendent of the Racine Unified School District. We, of course, are talking today more than anything about how the county and the school district are contending with the challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Mr. Delagrave, so uh, 
from the perspective of Racine County, what do the numbers look like right now in terms of what we're experiencing with the pandemic? And do those numbers give us any sense about where this is headed? Well, first and foremost, Greg, thank, thanks for the, that question. Um, COVID-19 is going to be with us for a while. I mean, that's, that is a fact uh, um, for sure. Um, and in June, we kind of flattened in Racine County, which, which is good. Um, but unfortunately, we're seeing statewide, nationally, and in Racine County, things start to rise again. So, and that's really no surprise, again, given what we've seen both nationally and state. But, you know, it's imperative that we're listening to our health departments. It's imperative that we're being vigilant as best we can, taking care of ourselves and each other. Um, you know, stay at home when you're sick. You know, practice that good hygiene, social distancing. But we are seeing a rise. Um, and, you know, we have to take it upon ourselves, personal responsibility to make sure that we're doing what we can to get that flattened out as soon as possible. Can you give us some sense when we're, we're talking about rising numbers in Racine County, do you have a pretty good sense of where those numbers are rising in particular? I mean, are we talking about rising numbers, especially in the city or out west in the county, or is it kind of in general that we're seeing numbers up? Um, you know, we have a heat map, and, and generally we're seeing it in, in pockets of the city of Racine and then pockets out west in Burlington. Those are our two hot areas. You know, we can attribute to uh, reasons for both. Uh, you know, we have a heavy meatpacking um, plant or industry out in Burlington, um, and, and so, you know, we see people working in close proximity um, to each other. Um, just because of the need of the job. So we see a lot of um, uh, COVID cases out there. And then with the city, you know, we see um, cases in the city of Racine as well. Uh, again, just, um, I, I, you know, we just need to make sure that, you know, people are, um, you know, when they are out or have to be out, that they're trying to do best in terms of social distance. Hmm. Very good. Dr. Gallian, um, this is not easy for the school district to, uh, to figure out and uh, a lot of different challenges to contend with. And of course, part of the special challenge of the Racine Unified School District versus, for instance, an entity like Gateway or Carthage or whatever, is that you're talking about youngsters, uh, elementary school aged, all the way up through high school. And education, of course, looks very different as you proceed through the grades. And also we're talking about youngsters of widely varying ages with very different needs coming out of very, very different situations. Um, give us some sense about some of the challenges that, that you and your colleagues face in terms of trying to uh, give support to teachers and parents and such a wide range of students right now. So one of our biggest learning curves this spring was that we, we, we realized that we had a, a variety of challenges out there. And so those challenges range from the access to technology to um, structured time, you know, so with elementary students, you have to provide very structured time. And even with high school students, you have to provide very structured time. Um, so we, we've learned from that. Um, unfortunately, the, the spring was about enrichment, and so we really didn't have to respond as quickly to that. But um, 
our biggest response right now is to prepare for that for the fall. So that when we go remote, we are very structured. Hmm. And so the structure comes in the form of the time on task to the um, what's asked for the expectation, what's going to be um, provided as support for the families. And so we, we realize already that many of our families won't have the technical knowledge and we can't expect our teachers to provide that technical knowledge. So we'll have to provide a, a call-in center. And so we're preparing for that. And so um, it's, it's a very challenging time because you have to plan for every various level um, in the organization. But at the same time, it gives you an opportunity. It gives you an opportunity to create and, and, and create something that we've been trying to create for years. And so um, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a challenge for us, but I think it's going to be an opportunity. You raised some really good points, uh, Dr. Gilling. Same, same kind of scenario at Gateway, although maybe a little different in some of the contexts as an example. Uh, we didn't have to worry about uh, busing transportation, right? Our students are adults, so they drive in and drive out, and so we didn't have that issue. We don't have a food service program. You have a food service program. So there's a lot of different dynamics, especially at the unique grade levels uh, that go along with it. But in general, as an example for Gateway, uh, we had always had about 30% of our programs that had some sort of online experience, might be hybrid, might be an independent online course, and that was pretty consistent for probably the last 10 years, a decade, right? Instantly, it bumped up to 50%. That will most likely be the new threshold for us. And some programs throughout the summer have really elevated to 70 or 80% with a hybrid online experience. So we're just like you going like, the systems were there. We didn't leverage them to the full capacity, which gives us an opportunity to reach more families because we can now customize the experience we can give people the learning environment that they need when they need it, and we can support it with other types of services. So you mentioned a call-in center, so technical support services that'll benefit not only the student, but also probably the whole family, the parents and everyone that are going to be uh, sort of upskilled in this area. Right. Uh, Mr. Delagrave, one of the biggest issues that has been raised uh, by COVID-19, particularly as it relates to the school district, but not limited to them, is the whole matter of who has access to the internet. And uh, I know this has uh, been a concern before, but it becomes an acute concern now. Uh, tell us about the kind of challenge and opportunity that this current situation uh, presents to Racine County. Well, let me just start out with one basic fact. The number one reason why uh, individuals, especially in some of our socioeconomic distressed areas, don't have sustainable, sustainable employment is they don't have internet connectivity. So um, we started really focusing on increasing the connectivity part of this last year as part of our digital counties initiative. But this year during COVID-19, 
we, we, you know, I think everybody understands the disparities um, in the internet service became even more glaring. Um, we know that our minority populations um, contracted COVID more than, than uh, our non-minority populations. So um, being able to have remote medical care, um, you know, being able to see a medical professional from your home through internet connectivity was a big gap as well. Um, so the unemployed individuals without health insurance have the greatest need for healthcare and emergency services uh, really within Racine County. Yet again, they're also the most socially isolated in Racine County with COVID-19. So how do you, how are you able to give them in, in some cases just the needed services to have a quality of life and then starting to build, um, climbing the ladder to be able to get uh, sustainable employment. So the challenge became huge and with our partners at Gateway, you know, I was able to uh, work with uh, Dr. Albrecht. Um, we don't, didn't even, I wasn't even 30 seconds into the conversation with our human services director and he was like, yep, we're on board. This fits our mission. We know that this would be a great benefit to uh, Gateway as well. So this, we believe, you know, will start the the move, the ball rolling and, and gather momentum so everybody can have connectivity. Um, we know our work's not done, and we know that this project also does create um, and gives devices um, for for families and individuals who are who are distressed to be able to to get on the internet as well. But this is really a um, start of what I think is something big and hopefully we will uh, conquer the challenge and get everybody connected to the internet so they can live a better quality of life essentially. Yeah, I just want to compliment Jonathan and the team uh, in the human services department there in Racine County because we, we can talk about things, you know, forever, but to take action and, and do something takes courage. And so to help us better understand where the gaps are in our county and how we can increase access points, um, and, and it's the same at Gateway, right? So we would think that everyone would have connectivity because we're a college. It's not true. Some areas of our community and some of our faculty have weak connections. That means students have poor connections. Some students can't afford it, even if there was a connecting activity there. So we've leveraged the Federal CARES Act to help support students financially. We bought hotspots so people could put them in their homes, uh, gave computers out to students, and we'll continue to do that because it is um, more prevalent than people would recognize that uh, there are points of no connectivity and then there are points of opportunity that has not been leveraged effectively um, as a community. So Jonathan deserves a lot of credit for helping us bring that to the forefront and we're proud to be a partner with it. Uh, Mr. Delgrave, I wish we had more time to really talk about this in great detail, but at least in summary fashion, can you kind of explain the components or elements that are part of an expanded Wi-Fi network? I mean, what are we talking about? What has to be in place to, uh, yeah, to what it, you're talking about? Yeah, really quickly, Greg, it's just we're able to have more access points um, through basically an antenna on key areas of uh, all over Racine County. This is just not a city of Racine. It's also west of the I as well, west of I-94. So more access points for pe people or residents to connect and offer another avenue toward, uh, again, whether it's medical care or accessing family employment jobs, 
or um, being able to do distance learning, um, you know, like with Unified or other school districts, that's essentially what it is. It's just bridging that gap of connectivity. Hmm. Yeah, and so it's pretty amazing, uh, Greg. So one of the things that we were able to do was put antennas on all of the gateway buildings. So we're able to spread out our Wi-Fi network from just being in the lobby of one of our buildings to the parking lot and some neighborhoods around it. So increased accessibility by simply putting a booster antenna on top of the building. Now, strategically, if we think about what if you put an antenna on top of a library or if you put one on top of a workforce development center, a county building, how much more capacity could you reach? And then if there are some employers that might be listening to it, what if you were able to network this public-private partnership and really begin to build a comprehensive strategy around the use of technology by simply putting antennas up. Now I say simply, there's a lot behind it as Jonathan would know, but, but you, it can be done is what I'm saying is, and we can leverage the, the investments that our communities have already made in broadband and now create greater points of access for all, all citizens. And of course, Mr. Delegrave, that speaks directly to the whole matter of, of supporting workforce services. I mean, this could make a huge difference in the lives of all kinds of different people uh, who are either part of the workforce or wanting to enter the workforce. Absolutely. You know, I look at it as if we truly want to lift up all residents of our community and have a better quality of life and be a healthier county and a healthier community, projects like this, this digital divide initiative that the county is taking up, and I should mention this, Racine Unified School District buying their hats, hotspots as well is, is, you know, helps with all this. Um, it's really important part of, of being able to do that. So, you know, it's gonna help with, with our present, but you know, it's definitely gonna be something that in the future we'll be able to build on. Right. I know for a lot of us, we learned when uh, you suddenly couldn't go to McDonald's or Panera uh, to, to, to find Wi-Fi when you were out and about or whatever. I mean, when, when the doors were closed to places like that that we took completely for granted, uh, you shut the doors and suddenly you're realizing, ah, I, I depended on this in a way that I did not realize until this moment when I can't access that anymore. Are you seeing, Mr. Delagrave, the possibility that someday we're going to look at, at uh, internet connection the same way we look at having running water, having electricity? I mean, do you want to see uh, a where it's seen as that fundamental to our lives? Yeah, I think it's already there. And that's why those who don't have that opportunity or have that capacity or resources it's it's just like not having water or not being able to heat your house. I look at it exactly the same way. Um, and it, we we all need to look at it in that way, shape, or form. I don't want to speak for Dr. Gallion, but if if you know if some of his families don't have connectivity, um, you know, learning not just distance learning, but being able to take go home and get online and be able to do some of your homework or do or to get better grades, that's a big part of it. So it's exactly, to me, it's exactly like running water, heating your house. Hmm. Yeah, you know, there's so much talk about, uh, so work at home strategies, right? And we're doing a lot of that as well. But in order for that to, to work, you've got to have good, strong connectivity. So I think Jonathan's absolutely right. Uh, whether it's educate at home, work at home, or receive the services that we know are important, like medical services, first responder services. That's the kind of infrastructure that communities are, are, are building and growing. And unfortunately, it took a pandemic for us to recognize that. And uh, now that we recognize it, taking action is the first step. 
So Dr. Galleon, uh, let's return to Racine Unified and the challenge of delivering these, uh, uh, quite a lot of what you will be delivering this fall in online fashion. Uh, what kind of preparations have been underway to prepare your teachers uh, for what they're going to need to deliver now this fall? Yeah, so just to piggyback off of what Jonathan and Brian have said, I definitely see that um, online services is utility. It's, it's just basic a utility right now. And then that's what we need to provide to our families. But just to go beyond that, for our teachers, we have spent the entire spring and the summer training every teacher on how to use an online platform. So what does that look like? How to use the, the actual device, how to use the actual platform itself, um, how to engage with that and to get certified. And so we have, we have worked with them over the past three or four months to get certified in Google Classroom as a baseline so that they have a baseline understanding of how to engage with students online. And so we expect every teacher when we come back, when we come back to, to, to be at a baseline um, level. And then we want to build on that as we go. Yeah, I just want to just acknowledge the fact that um, our teachers are doing a remarkable job because uh, as, a, as a teacher or a college instructor, um, it's not just one technology platform, right? So we use Blackboard for all of our record keeping. That's a whole system of knowledge that an instructor has to have, similar to what a, a high school or our school district is implementing. But then there's the content knowledge. So it might be an e-learning platform in science and a different type of e-learning platform in, uh, in math. And so teachers have to be really flexible in learning a lot of different software programs, manipulating, and then communicating it in a new fashion, whether it's 100% online or whether some of it's virtual like this and acknowledging how do we how do we bring students into an engaging experience through a video conference um, and then linking other video experiences into that so that students can manipulate their learning environment and uh, it's a it's a huge uh, upskilling of teachers so a big shout out to all those that are doing that hard work right and and we we were fortunate all over the summer to find out that we had about 1,100 teachers who were already actively using this, this technology. And they were doing a great job. And so we were hearing great things about it. And so we began to say, well, why, why, why not have everyone be trained? So we did that. And that's where we're, we're at right now. So we anticipate that every teacher will have a Google certification going into the new year. Wow. And just to be clear, Dr. Gallian, my understanding is hard and fast decisions about what will happen in the fall have yet to be made and are most likely going to be made yet this a little later this month. Is that right? Is that the hope? Exactly. So we, we anticipate announcing our um, reentry plan 
at the end of the month. Well, it's been a learning experience for all of you. Uh, 30 seconds. Uh, do you have a favorite lesson that you and your colleagues have learned through all of this? Well, I, well, I personally, I've really experienced um, the commitment of our staff. Like they, they have gone over and beyond the call of duty. And, and I realize how much it takes a village to raise a child. Hmm. It really does. And so, um, and we, we, we've experienced that firsthand. For sure. Mr. Delagrave, um, let's uh, finish with you. What, what guidance or advice would you offer up to uh, the people of Racine County, whether they are private citizens or business owners or those who are part of the schools as uh, we move through the rest of the summer and into the fall? What do we need to be thinking about most? Well, we have a we have a slogan at Racine County that we're Racine County resilient, and um, that that has really shown shown through since March, middle of March, when this pandemic started here in Racine County. But I would go back to kind of what I said before. You know, it's about personal responsibility, taking care of yourself, family, friends, and even even um, acquaintances or or strangers. It's about you know being in this together, um, you know, wearing the face masks when necessary, keeping the social distance, you know, that's what we're saying. And then we have a rebound Racine County report that we, that we put out for our businesses, nonprofits. It was, uh, um, we got uh, input from all different sectors of, of our economy. Uh, so, um, you know, rely on that, reach out to Racine County, but really, it's that personal responsibility that, that I want to emphasize moving into the fall. And, you know, I wish Eric, Dr. Galleon, good luck. It, you know, you asked the question before about getting opinions from every which way. And I know Dr. Galleon's going to experience that when he makes those decisions on opening uh, Unified. But we're behind you, Dr. Galleon, and we know what you're going to do what's best for the children of our community. Very good. A closing thought, President Albrecht, 30 seconds or so. Yeah, well, I just thanks Jonathan and uh, Eric for being part of our program today. We know that uh, there will continue to be unanswered questions, but to know that we have the, the guidance from, from the two of you leading our two lar largest institutions, our county and, of course, our school district. Um, Gateway is also a partner in this experience, so we're here to help support and serve our community and our, our educators as, as much as we possibly can. As I as I remind our staff here that we, we will open and we will serve students and we want to do it in the best way possible. The only way to get there is for each of us to stay safe. So follow the guidelines of the CDC. Make sure that you're taking good care of yourself because we can't do our work if you're not here helping us. And, and I think that it would, would be the good advice for our entire community. Collectively together, we're going to be able to, uh, to solve this issue. Very good. Jonathan Delagrave, Racine County Executive, thank you so much, sir, for making thank time you. for this conversation. Dr. Eric Gallian, Superintendent of the Racine Unified School District, very good to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. And of course, Brian Albrecht, the President of Gateway Technical College, uh, thank you for uh, today's program and best wishes to you. You're welcome, Greg. Thank you. I'm Gregory Berg.